Mic check. Mic check. We back for another episode. I know I don't sound excited, right? But I am inside. Inside, I'm excited to be back behind the mic. I'm excited to be recording again. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> it's a taste to consider podcast. Yes. We are back for another episode, the first episode of the new calendar year, 2023. Let me start off with a song, like I always do. Let's go. It's a taste to consider podcast. Yes, we are back for another episode. I'm your host, Derek Silver. Let's go. I love black folk. Black look like a revolution. Look like a family reunion in the park. Black look like it's a different world. Sound like a crawfish ball in New Orleans. Black folk joke around like Martin and got paintings from JJ in the living room. It sounds strong. Look like sacrifice. It be flowers blooming in the summertime. Black sound like old songs. Smell like good food. And it tastes like heart disease, but it feel like maze at Jazz Fest. Black sound like something that hurt, like a hard test. Black sound like skin, like something dark. It look like hair, yeah, black sound like rough hair and good hair. Look like history, sound spiritual. Black sound like years, like working, like night. Black sound like money, look like Walmart. Like corner stores, like cash register singing. Black sound like 400 years Smell like Oprah And pack for like Martin Look like Cicely Tyson Sing like Nina Got a ass like Serena Feel like broken homes in Section 8 Black smell like crack and collard greens Sounds motivational Feels like church Look like big Sunday hats and ribbons Smile like your mama Beautiful child, oh you're the one Fly like your daddy, make me so happy Beautiful child, oh you're the one Sound like thick plaid swinging and sneaky uncles Look like Tyler Perry making money Sound like hating, feel frustrated, don't it? Like they don't get it, like they won't ever get it, huh? Like. Push your personal feelings of racial injustice so far underneath the carpet That you trip over your own family history <laughs> But I love me some black folk I love the hair grease and the rental fees The front row seats, the police, the projects, the mustard greens Being late, social security checks, government assistance Bougie, black, looking good, bags of hair, fake press on nails Rat tail combs, stunting gold jean, gold teeth Black men and big feet, I love me some black folk 
For they are the people that were made from the darkest parts of the sky Smile like your mama Eyes like the sun Beautiful child Oh, you're the one Taste tickets to the podcast Fly like your Let's go. Make me so happy Beautiful child Oh, you're the one I'm in a place When I see your face Must be nostalgia Yeah. Black don't crack, I love your skin I don't see that from a good kid Yesterday, any day, I see me and mine doing different things Pushing boundaries, waves come, age comes, overseas what you think I came to LA for? Everybody from the 6 and sit up podcast yes indeed we are back that was tank and the bangers featuring alex isley and masego i love that song i love black people i love myself yes i do i love i even love the niggas <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing but yeah we back for another episode it's a taste to consider podcast let me introduce the show officially it's a taste to consider podcast i'm your host Derek silver and we are back back for another episode yes like i said the first episode of the new calendar year it is february 2nd yes i know it's been a minute it's definitely been a minute but i've been i shoot i've been in hibernation i've been in hibernation for real um you know it's still even though it's the new calendar year we still in winter i mean this i don't consider this the new year i don't consider it a new year until spring comes Yes, I'm wokeity woke all over. <laughs> Seriously, you know, this is the time for hibernation. We the only people on this planet. We the only species on this planet that don't follow the the rules of the the rules or the law of nature. We the only ones that still be hustling, bustling during the time that we supposed to be hibernating. The plants dying. 
animals hibernating or they moving south to warm weather. We the only species that is hustling and bustling when we supposed to be hibernating. So I went into a hibernation, you know, and even in the midst of that hibernation, it was uh, Mercury retrograde going on and Mars retrograde. I know some of y'all not into all of that, but I am. And like I said, this is a taste to consider podcast and you're going to get all the taste. (laughs) I am the taste of a taste to consider podcast. So. I was in hibernation, you know what I'm saying? I've been I was doing a lot of reading. Um shoot, I was keeping to myself in the gym heavy. I've been in the gym crazy. Um yeah, it's it's been it's been crazy. I'm back to um I'm officially back to my 6 days a week working out in the gym. I mean, shoot, that's pretty much all I do. Um I work during this hibernation period. I work Go to the gym. I've been doing hell of a a lot of reading. <laughs> um, lately, I've been reading this book called Anxious Hearts, and it's about attachment styles. And um, this particular book has been focusing on anxious attachment, um, but it also references the other attachment styles in that book. Um, I'm the type of person. I'm the type of person that I'll read like several books at one time so i'll be going back and forth depending on the mood i'm in but i've been focusing on that book lately um i just started another book um i'm still reading the book by um um what's his name damn jason wilson um i forgot the title of it it's crazy damn um but i referenced it on the show before um but I started reading another book, um, the the Laws of Human Nature, by the author that wrote Forty Eight Laws of Power. Um, I just started that book as well, and yeah, man, I just if I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would tell myself, "Don't stop reading." It get it was a period of time where even though I was still learning, you know, like. But I was doing most of my reading and my research and learning and stuff on the Internet. I stopped reading books and I was just focusing on uh, learning and reading stuff on the Internet. Um, And I shouldn't have stopped reading books. It's, it's not a bad thing, but still, I'm getting back into reading more books and stuff. And like I I literally sit down at a certain point of time in the day and I turn on my timer and I give myself at least like 30 minutes to an hour and I just sit there and read whatever book I, I'm into at that moment. So, yeah, I've been doing a lot of research and reading and stuff on attachment styles and, you know, um, learning about my attachment style and how to heal it and stuff like that. And I've seen a lot of growth in myself. I've seen a lot of uh, um, it's crazy because. Like, I'm very self-aware, so certain things that I already knew, like, even in the midst of uh, reading about attachment styles and all that other stuff, because I've been to about attachment styles years ago, but just going, you know what I'm saying, going deep into it now, like, even though I already knew stuff, but seeing words on paper and then actually reading it and then knowing it that it it applies to you and stuff like that is just crazy. It's like it opens your your mind and your eyes to certain things and stuff like that. So I've been able to, you know what I'm saying, apply a lot of the things that I've been learning with the reading and stuff like that. And it's 
it's been hella, hella, hella beneficial to uh, my growth as an individual and how I interact with people. And I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know what I'm saying, everything has been perfect in the midst of that. You know what I'm saying? I still have my my slip-ups and stuff like that. But just, you know what I'm saying, seeing these things, reading these things, and just learning about myself. Um, I referenced this plenty of times before on the show, the Pattern app. And the Pattern app, it goes off of, like, your, uh, your natal chart. And your natal chart has to do with like astrology and stuff like that the time you were born the place you were born and where the planets and stuff and all that was in line sun moon quasars and all that but um for the past two years i've been in a pattern um called um i've been in a pattern of just like having to let go i've been having to let go and just like not be focused on um the usual routine and just just you know what i'm saying just being just living life according to what comes to you and you know what i'm saying just re- learning how to respond in a different way and not just reacting all the time and man these past two years have been um i want to say the word that keeps coming to my mind right now is rough it's rough because i was so used to being in routines of things and you know what I'm saying? I still I I'm still in that in that space where I have routines and I, I like to learn how to I I like to do things a certain way, but in the midst of this pattern that I'm in right now, it's allowed me to understand that, you know what I'm saying, sometimes I have to let go of those routines um and just see where it take you know what i'm saying see where life takes me you know what i'm saying see where situations takes me and stuff like that and just learning about you know how to interact with people um letting go of old thought patterns and you know what i'm saying ways of doing things and stuff like that so um yeah it's been it's been interesting and the 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 thing that i'm most excited about is that that pattern is ending soon like in the next couple of weeks it's ending soon, so I'm excited to see what's going to happen and also to experience what's going to happen because I definitely see and feel the shift, um, you know what I'm saying, just by the by the things that I've, I've been doing um, lately and over the past couple of years or whatever, and it's been tough, you know what I'm saying, fighting and holding on to certain things that you used to and 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 stuff like that is it, it's definitely been difficult but um I'm always of the mindset that you know um everything is for my highest good so you know um I'll I'll take those hits when they come <laughs> or when I'm when I'm trying to hold on and you know what I'm saying and adjust from there but I'm excited to be recording um today um you know I was I I would be lying if I didn't say I was nervous, um, nervous about because I haven't recorded in a, in a while, and you know, setting up the camera, setting up the 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 uh, audio board, pre gaming and stuff like that. I might have pre gamed a little bit too fast, too. I might have gotten too lit too fast, if you know what I'm saying. For the the long time listeners, y'all know that episode, but 
you know, um, I feel good. You know, overall, I feel good. Um, um, just being, you know, in the gym, doing the reading, learning. And it's like, you know, I haven't, I've been learning not to get caught up into like one one thing or one purpose or one avenue or one lane or whatever, you know, is 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 so many different opportunities and and spaces and thoughts and ideas and stuff out there. So I just you know what I'm saying, just seen I'm seeing everything. So I feel good about that. Um I just feel good to be here. Um and that's something like in the past that I've never had that feeling before and I really feel good about, you know what I'm saying, my confidence, my self esteem my self esteem, um, my self worth, um, everything, you know, just the the continuous learning of life. Um, one thing about me, um I I love learning. So one of the things that I love been love loving having the love of learning about is myself and you know how I can improve on myself and that that has been a a a beautiful thing for me as somebody who has dealt with uh mental illness and who only knows one way of doing things now I know several ways of doing things and um I don't have to keep myself boxed in or caged in with certain thoughts or you know what I'm saying what people think about me what people see what people say you know what I'm saying I just I'm just moving and it's just gonna be what it is um so we back uh I don't know I, I know I'm in like this is the halfway point of year three. I started out a Taste to Consider podcast June 1st, 2019. So I'm at the halfway point of year three. And year three was right now I'm in in the outline of this episode. I'm at the state of the podcast. The state of the podcast. The state of a Taste to Consider. So halfway point of year three. Year three was interesting because, um, like I said, I've been going through this pattern and I've been trying to learn how to let go of certain things and life was happening and I didn't necessarily always feel good about recording and stuff like that. Like year two, I was I was on it. Like year two provided me a lot of opportunities. Um, I got a lot of feedback from year two I was recording every week every week every week and then I slowed down um and I didn't think I didn't think it there would be a point where I would even keep recording honestly and I remember um starting out 2019 with the podcast taste to consider podcast that was during the period where um i was still recording with the unproductive and unapologetic podcast shout out to all the um people who were a part of you and you podcast all the podcasts that um came out of that 
three stars, two bars. Um, separate the two. Um, unprocessed knowledge. Um, reservation for three. Yeah, so I didn't really have a. I wasn't really concerned about recording every week and stuff like that because I was doing already doing that with the U and U podcast. So I just made it an effort of me um, recording with a Taste to Consider podcast solely about, you know, um, mental health stuff. I remember the episodes were were shorter than what I do now. I I was just solely focused on uh, mental health stuff. So then in the midst of, you know, um, everybody, you know, um, branching off and doing their own thing and stuff. That's when I started, you know, um, putting more energy into a Taste to Consider podcast. And once year two came around, that's when I started doing longer episodes. And I started incorporating more than just mental health stuff, uh, relationship stuff, blackity black stuff, all that. You know what I'm saying? Everything that I'm into, you know, it became to a point where, you know, I can't I couldn't keep quiet about certain things that you know, I wanted to talk about. So that's when the podcast expanded um, more. The the episodes became longer and I started talking about all the things that I was into. And, you know, I was on a good, I was on a good run. Like I said, I was recording every week. Um, I was enjoying it. I was loving it. And, you know, like I said, life happened around year, the, around year three, came along and I started to slow down a little bit and I started letting things outside of the podcast um life and stuff to affect you know um my drive and my um passion for recording and talk just talking about things period that I wanted to talk about because a lot of a lot of um people who know me they know that I'm I'm they look at me as quiet and reserved or whatever but I'm just a thinker I'm a thinker, I'm an observer. So, you know, and then I don't always I don't I don't give myself to everybody or or I don't give all of me to every space that I'm in. So, many people would see me as quiet and stuff like that. And uh, and a lot of that also had to do with, you know, my social not my social the social anxiety that I was struggling with at the time. But Around year three, like I say, you know, um, just dealing with life and letting life affect me. And, you know, what I'm saying I, I had a down period and um, we at the halfway point pretty much of year three. Year four will be June 1st, 2023. And. Like, I don't want to really focus on what's ahead. I'm just. I'm just glad that I'm excited right now to record. And, you know, saying I I, I really feel good about, you know, overall um, where I'm at at this point, even though um, everything hasn't really gone the way that I wanted it to. But I feel like there's an improvement because I actually feel, you know, um, optimistic about things and stuff like that. So. Some of the things that I learned since I've been uh, recording, um, 
like I used to always like like in the beginning, and this was even during like you and you the you and you podcast days. Um, I learned that you can't uh, make somebody support you the way that you want them to support you. I learned that um, you know whatever support that you get, be thankful for it. Um, you know, be grateful for that and just keep moving. And, you know, one of the things that I definitely learned is that everybody sees it, especially when like posting on social media. If you don't get the likes and stuff like that, it don't matter. People see it because I've, I've talked about plenty of times where I've gotten feedback, DMs and stuff like that from people that I wouldn't even have thought of that was listening to the podcast. So, you know, I look at those those things um in hindsight as growth opportunities that you know i got to i got to um learn that you can't force nobody to support you you can't force nobody to support you the way that you want them to just be thankful and grateful for the support that you get and however because um in the midst of all the reading that i've been doing you know um everybody got their own things going on and the way that people respond or react to um you is based on whatever they've gone through in life so you just got to keep moving you know what i'm saying your your purpose your goals your dreams your drive and all that other stuff has nothing to do with nobody it only has to do with you because you're the one that's putting in that work so that's one of the things that you know i've learned and one of the things that I've, I have to remind myself and, and keep and be mindful of when uh, I, I continue doing the podcast or if I'm doing the blog and stuff like that, greatestiamblog.com, um, because people see, you know what I'm saying? Um, it is what it is. Um, like, I see people now that started out the same time as me in like the mental health advocacy thing and stuff like that. And I'm not going to sit here and lie and act like I didn't never get to a point where I compared myself to them because I did. But that's that only held me back. That only hindered me and stuff like that because I was too focused on what somebody else was doing as opposed to doing what I need to do. And my journey is going to be different from them, you know, and one thing that I definitely learned is that is I just got to I just got to be me. I got to be me. And in the midst of me being me, that's when I've gotten the opportunities to be on other people's shows. That's when I've gotten the opportunity to connect with other people and stuff like that. Um other things that I've gone through in the midst of doing the podcast and stuff like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? People have made assumptions about things that I've said on the podcast. People have taken things the wrong way. Um, it's caused problems in friendships, caused problems in relationships. And that also affected, you know what I'm saying? My, my consistency or my discipline in recording or whatever. And one of the things that I did tell myself that, that I wanted to focus on this calendar year is discipline, discipline, discipline. And that's one of the things that um, I've definitely been working on and been doing um, in the gym. But I also want to apply that to 
the rest of my life discipline um because i didn't really learn i didn't really have the consistency of discipline when i was coming up as a kid and you know a teenager and stuff like that but and i always knew that that was an uh, an or a issue or uh, uh something that held me back in um you know pursuing or achieving my goals and dreams and stuff like that so that's definitely one of the things that has been a focus of mine and you know I know that I I, I can't do it because I've, I've shown it plenty of times um but I just have to apply it to every area of my life but yeah it it, it definitely um has been difficult when you want when you have a dream or when you have goals and it gets affected by people in your life and then you can and then the type of person that I am based off of how you know the things that I've gone through and stuff is I had to excuse me first burp I had to stop people pleasing and worrying about what everybody thought, excuse me, burp number two, what everybody thought and, you know what I'm saying, who's going to get mad about the things that I say and stuff like that because it's not, you know, I'm not being malicious or anything. The, a lot of the things that I talk about on the podcast, uh, you know, are my feelings, you know, views on certain things and stuff like that. Um, One thing that I've uh, I definitely learned in the midst of doing this podcast and it, it deals with what I just said is that, you know, you're not going to agree with everybody, you know, um, you know, misunderstandings can happen and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean you have to can't quote unquote cancel somebody. And in this day and age with social media and shit like that, this cancel culture that everybody is just always, um, you know, what I'm saying reacting and and rushing to cancel somebody it's there's a lot of people that i follow on social media people that i know that i don't agree with everything they say if you agree with everything somebody say you're not using your mind you're not being you're not being yourself you know what i'm saying you're not you're not uniquely being yourself <laughs> but yeah i mean it i won't say that it I'm not going to lie and say that it, it didn't frustrate me, you know what I'm saying, the people that take things out of context or misunderstand me and just rush to, rush to react and all that other stuff. So then it turned into a thing where it went back to my past with certain traumas that I, I dealt with with, um, you know, me naturally being a person who was who outspoken with the with the things that they believe in and stuff like that that they were made to be quiet and shunned you know what i'm saying that's things that happened to me when i was a kid and stuff like that growing up and stuff and that you know what I'm saying brought a lot of things back up and it also like triggered certain stuff when it came to abandonment issues and rejection issues and stuff like that so i felt the need to just silence myself and like I'm at the point right now where like I'm not doing that no more. That is not happening no more. I don't want to be in a position how I was when 
I was younger in my early 20s where I would have my blow up periods, you know, where I was holding on things for so long where I was blowing up, you know, it, I, I'm saying what I feel, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm definitely going to have discretion in certain areas, you know, because you don't always have to say what you feel in every moment or whatever. Sometimes you have to just sit back and wait to see if it's needed or not. You know, if, if things need to be addressed. But at the same time, I'm not silencing myself no more. And it's funny because a lot of people always looked at me as being blunt and stuff like that. But those was always like blow up periods. It wasn't never me just being confident and assertive in, you know, um, the things that I feel and stuff like that. It was always in an aggressive manner. But. That's another area that I've been definitely working on, you know, with therapy and stuff like that. And a lot of things that I've been learning is how to be more assertive as opposed to aggressive because I'm so used to being aggressive. So I've been learning how to be more assertive and I, I, I love having the opportunities to be assertive, you know, um, so yeah, that that stuff is all out the window. Um, I'm learning how to not really worry about whether how someone feels about the things that I say. Not to say that I don't care about other people's feelings, but I'm not going to put everybody else first like I used to do. You know what I'm saying? I always talk about how I have a big heart. And that's one of the things when I've talked to my mom about, you know, when I was younger as a kid or whatever. And that's one of the things she always brings up, how big of a heart that I that I had when I was younger and stuff. And I can I'm still going to have that big heart because that ain't gone nowhere. But, yeah, I'm I'm not putting everybody else first no more. You know, um, it I'm I'm a different person and like. It's funny because I notice myself in certain situations now that I'm, it's not that I don't care, but it is going to be what it is. You know what I'm saying? The sit, the situation is going to gonna have to happen the way it's going to happen. I'm fully confident in myself. I'm fully confident in the universe. I'm fully confident in the most high that everything will work out the way it's supposed to be. You know, um... That optimism is 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 much more higher than that pessimism that I used to have. So, yeah, that that is the state of the podcast. You know, um, I'm back. Um, th- like I said, this is the halfway point of year three, and uh, I'm excited about it. I have uh, each and every. Each and every episode that I would do, once that episode is finished, I started working on the next one. So I already know what I'm going to talk about next week. Um, I just got to put it together unless something unfortunate happens that I absolutely have to talk about. So that's the state of a taste to consider podcast. I probably didn't uh, talk about everything that I wanted to because some in the midst of me talking, I'll be like, I'll be going through the whole episode throughout the week. You know what I'm saying? I, I, 
I visualize it and everything. I be saying, I be, I literally be walking around the house. I walk around the gym or wherever I'm at, and I'll be having the, I'll be doing the podcast in my head, how I'm sitting down, everything in my head. But yeah, so that's the state of a taste to consider podcast at this point. I appreciate everybody who has. Um, supported me everybody who listens everybody who downloads everybody who downloads but don't listen and this is what I was talking about as far as you know you can't force somebody to support you the way that you want to like I I know you know people that tell me that you know they don't listen to every episode but they make sure that they download it because the interesting thing about it is like um, when I got the numbers the Spotify numbers for 2022 I had growth I didn't feel like I I was I didn't feel like the podcast was growing or anything. And there's a lot of times where um and this is something that I did want to point out that you know um the podcast has given me a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities that people don't know, but I didn't follow up on them because I had to deal with um you know what I'm saying people having their own views on it or it possibly messing up a relationship and or me wanting to be able to bring everybody with me you know what I'm saying that was here before with the you and you podcast and stuff like that and that always can't happen or whatever and I've and I've lost out on a lot of um nice opportunities because I had to worry about other people's feelings and stuff like that well I didn't have to worry about it I made myself worry about them and you know what I'm saying <sighs> yeah but that is the story of my my past life like I I've talked about this plenty of times before I I, I missed out on a lot of opportunities for different things outside of the podcast um that potentially could have put me in a different space um financially or you know um visually to the open world and stuff like that because you know it caused issues with with somebody else but yeah so moving along um like I was saying um 2022 when I got the Spotify numbers and you know the Spotify now I had I, I had significant growth and that was just Spotify so I don't you know, they actually send out those numbers. I don't know about uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, I don't know about um, Stitcher. I don't know about Google Play, all the other streaming services. Everybody know the issues that I dealt with with YouTube. So I'm recording right now. So we'll, I haven't been on the YouTube platform, on my YouTube platform, the podcast network, um, in a while since I got my second strike because I didn't want to get a third strike and then lose my whole page. But um, I'm looking forward to um, that as well, because I definitely want to grow the YouTube page, and I just don't want to grow it with the podcast. I got other ideas in mind so I, that I'm very excited about that I wanted to you know, make sure that I preserve and I didn't lose the page. So... Um, that's another thing, like, 
when when those type of things was happening with the YouTube page and stuff like that, it kind of discouraged me and like I don't like being silenced, you know. But I do also understand that you have to have discretion in certain things and have to, you know what I'm saying, be careful and walk the line a little bit. Is is I just don't like being controlled. I don't like being controlled. But yeah. That's the state of a taste to consider podcast, a taste to consider network. So moving along, um, where I'm at. Tyree Nichols. Um I didn't really want to talk about this too much, but, you know, I'm here. So, let me see. I didn't watch the the video. I didn't watch the video of him being killed, you know. um, I guess at this point, you know, I just didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to watch it. You know what I'm saying? I was protecting my mental health on it or whatever. You know, this is something that is a constant, has been a constant since forever, even before I was born. And I'm 41 years old. So, all you know what I'm saying? This, this stuff has been going on forever. But like I've always talked about, this is a classic case of the Willie Lynch theory, the L- Willie Lynch syndrome, where because you, this is the question that I want people to always ask themselves when these type of situations happen. Why do they always show videos of us, us black men, being killed and beaten and stuff like that? This is this is the new buck breaking. This is the new buck breaking right here. Because you will never see nothing. They They won't even show a dog getting beaten or killed or nothing on tv or on social media i don't i don't think i've ever seen a white man being killed on tv or social media i don't i don't think i've ever seen an asian person a hispanic person a latino person being killed on social media on tv like they've been showing this on late night tv talk shows they've been showing this on the news it's on social media twitter facebook instagram why do they always show black men being killed? It is the new age of buck breaking. And I challenge everybody, every black person, to read the Willie Lynch letters. It'll only take you 10, 15 minutes to read it. It is not that long. Like, seriously. But, uh, let me see. Yeah. So this happened in Memphis. Um, I'm gonna just go through a couple of things with this. I'm not gonna. I don't want to stay on it too long. But the Memphis police chief, um, she's a black woman, Carolyn Davis, and of course it was five black officers who she fired after this incident. And the interesting thing that I learned about her that I didn't know that I'm sure most people know already is that she was the one that formed the scorpion unit in 2021 um which was similar to a unit that she oversaw and when she was in atlanta that was called the uh, red dog unit and these units were known for their excessive force and 
they mainly focused on black people, black men. Um, and a lot, we just, we're just figuring out, right? They've been trying to put all this focus on these five, five black men, which is fine. But they never put focus on that white cop that was involved. He didn't get fired or nothing. He's still not fired. He's just on ad administrative leave. He tased Tyree Nichols, and he also commented on, you know, basically rooting his colleagues on, on beating and killing Tyree Nichols. But you see, you see how they're protecting him. And what's interesting about this whole thing, like um, a lot of the dialogue about this on Twitter is totally different on Facebook and Instagram. So a lot of the talk on um, Twitter is that, you know, this this is white supremacy. This is white supremacy. And a lot of people didn't understand why some people were saying this is white supremacy, even some black people, which is which is weird, but this is the times we live in because a lot of black people just don't care about knowing everything. It's it's a bad it's bad to be woke. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? It's bad to be woke. It's bad to be a conspiracy theorist. Even though these past few years a lot of this stuff has been proven right. A lot of people don't understand how this is white supremacy. They don't. <laughs> But this is the this is one of the examples why this is white supremacy. The fact that they protected and they're still protecting this white officer, but they fired all the black officers. And the fact that people don't understand after all this stuff that has been going on over the years when it comes to police officers, whether black or white, they see blue. I mean, we've heard them say blue lives matter. We've heard the the <laughs> we've heard the argument against black lives matter to be blue lives matter, right? I've talked about this on the podcast before how some of my worst experiences with police officers have been with black officers. And let me preface this by saying I have family members who are black police officers in D.C., Maryland, and in other areas. But my worst experiences have been with black officers. Black officers seem to, it's almost, this is, this is just my opinion. This is just my opinion and my diagnosis of the situation. Black officers, they seem to have a chip on their shoulder and they seem to be in a in a position where they feel as though. Well, I'm not going to say all black officers, I'll, I'll just say some black officers seem to have a they seem to want to prove themselves that, you know, they are above the the criminality when it comes to black people or above being a nigga. So they have a, a 
they have an more anger towards seeing black people in these situations. And one of the one of the things that I kept seeing in my mind with this situation and this conversation was the movie Life. Y'all remember the movie Life when they was in the prison and they had the um the white superintendent and then he had his assistant, that black dude. The black dude was rougher and more meaner and angrier towards the black prisoners than the white dude was. <laughs> I mean, like, we've seen classic examples of this all the time of how black people in these law enforcement positions have a much more hatred toward their own kind as opposed to the white people. I'm going to pull up this video. Um, that will give you a classic example of, you know, policing in in this country and how it is basically the it's almost the um trying to think of the right word is it basically enforces policing in this country basically enforces white supremacy is there to keep a certain level of balance to make sure that people don't you know step out of line and stuff like that because when you think about it in these times, you know, when has policing ever been a deterrent for crime? But let me pull this clip up before I go further. Um, let me see. Because I got to go. Um, let me see. All right. Let me pull this up. But yeah, um, while I'm finding the clip or whatever, like we've seen classic examples of how back in the 1800s, how what when policing started, what the reason for policing was for. You know what I'm saying? Like we've seen. I know I've seen plenty of times um, documents. Where. It said a li license to uh, nigger hunt or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And that was their form. That was the first first examples of policing in this country. But I found the video. Let me pull it up. Most people, even some educated people, just kind of think police have always been here. It's just the way society works. Right. When we talk about that, we go back to the founding documents of policing. 
Professor Nikki Jones, UC Berkeley genius, period. On the founding documents of policing, Peel's principles of policing, which were published in 1829 as the London Metropolitan Police Force was being established, people still cite its emphasis on the relationship between policing and the public. And what folks don't understand is at the time that Peel's principles were published, the public did not include black people. And so the policing that black people were subject to, enslaved black people were subject to, that was dictated by the other founding document, the Barbados Slave Codes published in 1661. The Barbados Slave Code says about what you'd expect from something called a slave code. Torture, maim, hunt, rape, and execute were all a-okay for the white enslavers to do to the enslaved. And most importantly, it was not just kind of okay, it specifies the enslavers could commit all these humanitarian crimes with impunity. And you can draw a direct line from way back then to the modern era. Since 2013, only 1.7% of all police-involved killings have resulted in any type of charge against officers, and only 0.36% in a conviction. What's that smell? That's impunity. And that was the document that was basically copied and pasted into the colonies and then codified in state and then federal law. And if we're going to think about any way of really addressing the problem with policing, we have to be able to acknowledge the systemic racism that is embedded in policing as a consequence of the Barbados slave codes. At what point does America start to look at policing and go, whoops? <laughs> <laughs> So you see this in the early part of the 20th century, and you see this certainly with the Kerner Report. So the Kerner Report is published in the wake of what President Lyndon Johnson saw certainly as riots and uprisings in cities across the country. And so the president says, we have to figure out what happened, why it happened, and how to prevent it. Mm -hmm. And what he probably didn't expect was the answer that came down from the Kerner Report. Yeah. In 1968, after seven months of study, the 11-member commission, nine of whom were white, released a 427-page report, which was a political atom bomb. It not only exposed the police as the tip of America's racist spear, it pointed to systemic and cultural white racism as the driving force of that spear. The key finding was that we are a nation and two societies, one white, one black, separate and unequal. White people are complicit in the structural conditions Right, that people were rebelling against. So the Kerner Report comes out, and then they dismantle the institution of policing, and then things are good after that. Don't get me started. <laughs> These are not black radicals. So what must have come next must have been a revolution and transformation. Yeah. Right, but in fact, that's, that's not what happens. But what you did see was a fundamental transformation over the next 50 years of policing. But not the way they thought, right? We saw the militarization of police. We saw the rise of the warrior cop. And that is happening as the decades march on. We get to the war on drugs. We get to the war on violence. We get to the war on terror. And policing is adapting in each moment. So what we have now is the most professional, most well-armed, most well-trained police department that we've had in our nation's history. And yet, the fundamental problems have not gone away. Time is running out for the merchants of crime and corruption in American society. For this to be a land of liberty, it must also be a land of lawful order. 
The law-abiding citizens of our country have made their voices heard. When a politician, doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on, if they want to make sure they win, they will say, I'm a law and order candidate, I'm a tough on crime candidate. And we've seen the devastation. Whatever policing is in America, it has put a bunch of us in a state of like permanent PTSD. It's not about whether this is a good cop or a bad apple, it's about the institution of policing that some people think is a way to distribute you know, peace and safety, and other folks understand as an efficient mechanism by which to distribute violence. Key thing that was said <clears throat> at the end, this is about the in institution. It don't matter if you, if you are a good cop or not. You're part of the institution. So you're already in the wrong. You're part of the institution. I'm going to go a little deeper. Look up the Dred Scott case. Blacks have no standing at law. That's why it's easy for them to kill us, beat us, whatever, without worrying about any type of <laughs> they don't have to worry about no type of no type of punishment if they kill us beat us whatever because we have no standing at law black is not a race is not an ethnicity is not a nationality it's been written it's been written in law black is not a race is not a nationality is not an ethnicity we have no standing at law. And this is when it comes down to looking more into your, your genealogy, where you come from. You know what I'm saying? Even African-American. I mean, let's be real. Not every black, quote unquote, black person in the United States has a lineage from Africa. All this black, white, and all that other stuff, that comes down to class systems, caste systems. We are being played and we continue to play ourselves because we keep trying to be part of everything that's going on out here. We're together separately. <laughs> together separately. I mean... I talked about this before on the podcast. Back in 2012, I applied to be a Prince George's County police officer. Prince George's County is the wealthiest black county in the country. It's in Maryland. I got hired. I decided not to do it. I decided not to do it. This was around the time when uh, Trayvon Martin was killed. I'm glad I didn't do it. 2012, I was 30, 31, depending on the month. This was before I started going to therapy and all that other stuff. I'm, I thank the Lord that that wasn't part of my, <laughs> my plan, that I didn't make the decision to do it. Because if I did, who knows what mindset I would be in today. I was already angry enough. I didn't like myself. I don't know if I even loved myself back then. So think if I had that mindset. Think if I didn't have the knowledge or the growth that I have now. And being 30, 31, being 
a police officer in a predominantly black county. And even outside of that, in my 20s and stuff like that, most of my anger was toward other black dudes or whatever. I was always fighting, trying to fight or whatever. <laughs> you know, I was always trying to prove myself and all that other stuff. So it becomes an ego thing. It's an anger thing, mental illness, all that other stuff. Oh, I thank God that I ain't become a cop. Because <laughs> I would have probably been vert. I was already aggressive. So to have that gun, to have that badge, that would have made, that would have intensified it. It's not about, it's the institution. So whether you're black, white, but you're working for blue, it's white supremacy. Point blank, period. There's no other way around that. They will use, they have used plenty of black people to push their agendas all the time in, in all all types of arenas, all types of arenas, politics, TV, movies, entertainment, police, whatever, teaching, all that. All of these are institutions that were in place before they cared about us, even while they didn't care about us. These institutions have already were already in place. That's why everything needs to be stripped down, done over again. Because these institutions were in place even when we were slaves. We fought to get to be a part of their institutions. Uh Back to all the conversation that was going on on Twitter. Well, no, let me let me talk about this first. Based off of everything that was discussed in that video, America spends more money on police departments than most countries spend on their military. Yet America has one of the highest crime rates for any developed nation on Earth. The United States. <laughs> And in uh, reference to countries spending on on their military, the United States is top just on military. China is second in military. The third, the third highest spending is the United States police. That's third on the military list, the military spending list. But yet. The United States has the fourth highest homicides per 100,000 people. Mexico, number one. Turkey, number two. Um, Estonia, number three. And United States is number four. So this is what I was saying about the police departments aren't deterrents. They just here to enforce white supremacy. They don't care about stopping no crime. When you think about it, when do you see the police? After the fact. <laughs> After the fact. But um, I 
Yeah, it's just this. It's just it irritates the fuck out of me. Um, like you see all this talk in these back and forth arguments or whatever on Twitter about this being about toxic masculinity with black men and them trying to live up to patriarchy and all this other stuff. What the hell is y'all? It's like every, it's like it, it don't matter what situation happens. Some, some, Black dude simping, some, uh, somebody part of the LGBT community, or a black woman that don't like black men, talk, trying to make this about black men and toxic masculinity, and them trying to relish off of patriarchy. I'm like, what the hell is y'all talking about? Like a black dude died and it, it's just crazy how in our so-called community, how humanity has gone out the window. It from us doing all this back and forth, fighting between each other, killing each other, hating on each other. It's like, I don't, I just don't understand how as much progress as we have made from all the tragedy and trauma that we've dealt with, we don't even realize how much greater we can go if we just work together and heal individually from the shit that we've gone through. But we just keep going on and on, blaming each other, pointing the fingers and never getting anywhere. Like these, these certain, these certain pockets of of people in these, in these, uh, I guess you can call them communities, the LGBT community, or the the black men simping, or the black women that hate black men. They just always trying to find a way to downgrade black men and not have no type of empathy or compassion for black men. Or don't care about the humanity of black men. I've seen people talk about. I've seen people on Twitter say he didn't die good enough. I've seen people on there previously talk about how black men are bullet bags. But then now they mourning because it's convenient that the that's what's trending at the moment. This is one of the tweets I came across. The five police officers who murdered Tyree Nichols are also representative of, of an unspoken tradition among some cis hetero black men. The idea that quote unquote black power simply means the power to behave like powerful white men. I don't even want to respond to dumb shit like that because people be so caught up into trying to be intellectual and 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 so smart and and provide these think pieces for something that is just so simple. But, of course, they so attached to whatever hate they got against towards black men that they using any and every opportunity to bash a black man. 
And I hate the fact that we got to keep doing this, this black man, black woman stuff. Like, I'm all for empowering black women. I'm all for empowering black men. But we always keep ourselves separated. We together, but we separated. I'm tired of hearing this, this cis stuff and all that other stuff. Like, there's, a ter- there's been a term before all of this. People making up these new terms. People so stuck on these pronouns and these labels and stuff. And forgetting about humanity. The humanity of your own people. The humanity of your own so-called community. And the communities or the labels and pronouns that y'all attaching yourselves to. The people who came up with all of this don't even care about y'all but instead of y'all healing y'all trauma everybody healing their trauma we instead want to go pointing fingers doing the blame game and projecting and taking shit out on everybody else in the so-called overall community This is going to keep happening, obviously, like until we make some type of change. We keep just like that video I played. It don't matter what side they what side this politician on, Democrat, Republican, whatever. They always come in with some sort of law and order. They have their key words, their, their law and order and all that other stuff. They have their keywords and their key key terms that go that specifically go out for white supremacy that people can identify with. They don't care about us, but we keep continue voting for these 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 people. We keep can you continue voting for these Democrats. We keep continue voting for these Republicans. We ain't, we not hold nobody accountable. We keep playing these sides because we scared. We scared to vote for this person because we feel like, um, oh, well, if I vote for this person, then when it comes down to it, shit, I ain't even going through all this explanation. The lesser of two evils. Think about this. Think about this. That term, the lesser of two evils. <laughs> oh my I could keep going and going but I'm not like because people gonna do what they want to do but all I'm saying is we need to start thinking critically thinking throw this common sense stuff out the the window because that's the problem right there this the sense is too common we need to start critically thinking we need to start healing ourselves we need to start fighting with each other <sighs> Let me move on. Um I came across this uh this post on social media this um therapist that I follow and they referenced um a article that 
came out. Let me pull up the title of it. Um, it's actually two articles. One is the the main article, and the second one is like a Cliff Notes version of the article. It was in the um, the New York Times, and. All right, let me see. The article, the main article is titled, Why is it so hard for men to make close friends? And the little summary article um, was titled, Is it harder for men and boys to make and keep friends? So I'm going to go through both of them. I mean, they pretty much both say the same thing because it's pretty much the same article, but I'm just going to go through certain um points that i highlighted um in the article so um i'm gonna start with the summary one first it says american men appear to be stuck in a quote-unquote friendship recession according to a recent survey less than half of men said they were truly satisfied with the number of friendships they had the same study also found that men are less likely than women to seek emotional support from or share personal feelings with their friends. No surprise there. Um, it says, do you think the survey would have similar findings if it centered on teenagers instead of adults? Why or why not? In your opinion, do women and girls have an easier time sharing their emotions with their friends or seeing their friends as helpers in hard times? Do you think they tend to want to have closer relationships than men and boys do? Well, I feel like, you know, like I said, there's no surprise here with with what I just read. It makes sense um, from the standpoint of men not being vulnerable with other men. Um, here's a quote from the article. It says, I think men have been convinced that success in life does not necessarily include friendship, that if they're successful at work or they've started a family, they've won. I agree with um, that statement because a lot of times from just from my experience, um, a lot of men, they just in this mindset of I got to hustle. I got to hustle. I got to get this. I got to I got to provide this. I got to get this. I got to get that. I got to provide this. I got to do. You know what I'm saying? It's all about getting, 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 providing, providing, providing. You know, it's never about really spending or or they don't want to we don't want to look at it like we're wasting time because we always got to be proving ourselves um it says in a 2021 survey of more than 2,000 adults in the united states less than half of the men said they were truly satisfied with how many friends they had while 15 percent said they had no close friends at all a five-fold increase since 1990 that same survey found that men were less likely than women to rely on their friends for emotional support or to share their personal feelings with them. And that's, um, I mean, like when it comes to, I know it's talking about men, but I'm focusing on black men. Black men, we definitely aren't vulnerable with other black men. We definitely don't rely on other black men for support. 
Um, for one, just this is based off of my experience. We don't want to seem as though we're weak. We don't want to give another man um, power over us by sharing that weakness. Um, we come accustomed to not share, being vulnerable and sharing feelings and emotions and stuff like that because of how we were raised. Another reason because we don't we never been taught to um, embrace or learn about feelings and emotions. So we don't know how to express them. I talked about it all the time. I post about it all the time. How the only feelings and emotions that we know is aggression and anger. That's that's all that we've been taught to know. Aggression and anger. Um, if we get mad at another another dude, we either gonna fight or we just gonna be like f it. You know what I'm saying? I don't mess with that. I don't mess with him no more. You know what I'm saying? I don't f with him no more. That's just what it is. There's never no thing where people actually, the dudes actually having conversations, healthy conversations with each other. It says, um, I think men have a deep craving for intimacy with friends, with their friends, said Nick Fager, a licensed mental health counselor and the co-founder of Expansive Therapy. Um, where am I at in this article? All right. So let me move on to the main article. And these are just some of the things that it talks about. It says, um, here's a, here are the four strategies to eliminate all of the obstacles that can stand in the way of deep male friendship. The first one says practice vulnerability, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Though Mr. Fager is mindful of speaking in general generalities <laughs> he believes the challenges some men face in developing meaningful platonic bonds boil down to how they've been socialized to equate masculinity with strength competitiveness and stoicism even as traditional gender norms have shifted those qualities can make close friendship tricky and that's what i said i mean this is just what we've been taught up been brought up to believe um how we supposed to conduct ourselves in the world so i mean you've seen it plenty of times whether in in person or tv or whatever you know what i'm saying go ahead with all that go ahead with all that soft stuff and all that, you know back to the article it says if you look at little boys they're pretty open and affectionate with each other and then something happens now that i agree with as a kid period you just you're just more open and, and free with your mindset and stuff like that until you start being taught certain things. Once you once you fall to the ground and scrape your knee or your elbow or something like that, boy, get up. Stop all that crying. Stop being soft. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. So it start and, and, and around those times when these situations happen, you probably, you know, you're a young kid, four, five, six, seven years old or whatever. Those are the prime years for your mental develop, mental and emotional development. It also says societal messages teach them that openness and emotional vulnerability are taboo. Yep. Whether whether it comes down to men, boys, and even girls or women. I mean, let's not. 
I I was thinking about this in the barbershop today when I was getting ready for the show and playing it out in my mind and stuff like that. Yeah, you see all this stuff on social media about, you know, women wanting a, a, um, a vulnerable man and stuff like that. And I'm not going to say that they're lying, but their mind hasn't reached up, hasn't, <laughs> their thoughts hasn't caught up to their actions or to their habits. You know what I'm saying? Because even, even though men are conditioned this way, women are conditioned to see men that way as well. So when a woman sees a man being vulnerable, being in touch with his feelings, being in touch with his feminine side, which all men have a feminine side. I mean, you got to believe that because, you know, it's talked about enough of how women are being ma more masculine these days. We both have both sides. I mean, that is the truth of the thing. That's just the truth of the matter. We both have both sides. But it's some women, I'm going to say a lot of women out here that yeah they have that thought but they still haven't their actions and their habits and their <laughs> and their indoctrination hasn't caught up to all of that yet it's trendy now and and it man <laughs> you can see it with with all the commentary on social media about men with podcasts now I've talked about this before, about how we living in this age of divine fem the divine feminine. And a lot of these women that that, you know, claim that they in touch with their divine femininity and all that other stuff are the are some of the main women are out here that are blasting these men for having these podcasts or speaking up more on social media. But y'all don't even understand that that is part of the divine femininity, them being vulnerable. Even if you don't agree with what they're saying, even with even if some of the things that they're saying sounds <laughs> crazy or is it makes you uncomfortable. It is men being in touch with their femininity by being vulnerable. But it all comes down to are these are these men are are all of us men going to learn how to um control the vulnerability or learn how to navigate the vulnerability or actually learn what our emotions or feelings are and how to actually express them in a a much more articulate way. But then it also comes down to are these are some of these women really in touch with their divine femininity to the point where they see a man expressing themselves on these podcasts or on social media or wherever he's expressing themselves. If that's making you uncomfortable, then that's because you aren't in touch with your femininity, your divine femininity. We're in a point now where. You should be celebrating these men being more open because even if they saying the wrong things, then you know what men not to be around. You know what men not to be involved with. <laughs> you know, we got to stop trying to control what everybody says out of their own mouth and just worry about how we respond to it. 
And I'm saying respond, not react, because it's a lot of people out here that's reacting. And that shows right there some emotional immaturity or maybe you aren't tapped into your femininity where you can understand this particular man's vulnerability because just because you think it's wrong don't mean it's wrong you just can't connect with it and i'm not saying that every because i've seen some of these dudes out here with these podcasters just be saying some outrageous crazy stuff and y'all know i play videos on them and i counter and i countered the things that they were saying but all i'm saying is worry about yourself Worry about the things that you need to work on so you can connect better with somebody who's being vulnerable. And I'm speaking from experience. I've been in therapy. It's about to be, shoot, it's damn near 10, 11 years that I've been going to therapy. And I still get uncomfortable at times when I'm, I'm being vulnerable. When I've been vulnerable on a podcast, I felt uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable when people have been vulnerable with me. It still happens. So everything, I think, I think we, we be too focused on everything always having to be perfect for us to move forward. And I'm speaking from experience as well. You got to have the right partner. Everything got to be right with the partner. Everything got to be right with the friendship. Everything got to be right with the job. Everything got to be right with the car. Everything got to be right with the house. Everything ain't going to be perfect. Your ass ain't perfect. So back to the article. One simple way to practice being emotionally unguarded is to tell your friends how you feel about them, Mr. Fager said. It's just so important for your friends to know that you value the relationship, that you admire the person or you respect the person or you love the person. He acknowledged that it might feel quite uncomfortable to call someone out of the blue and tell them that you love them. Instead, consider sharing your appreciation after spending time together or on the heels of an emotional exchange. And what's funny about this when I read this was, was I thought about all the times that me and the fellas got together um, throughout the years, different groups of fellas that I've, I've had throughout the years or whatever. And we've always expressed <laughs> our, our care and our love and admiration for each other after we've hung out. Oh, man. Man, I had a great time, man. Thanks for this and all that other stuff. And even when there's been alcohol involved, <laughs> y'all know how I go. Y'all seen skits and all that on social media before like that. I mean, because in those times, shoot, we've needed that outlet or those that that uh, alcohol, <laughs> alcohol <laughs> has, you know, opened us up to the point where we was able to express those type of things. Back to the article. It says, if you've already been there for your friend in some way, on the tail end of that, there's often an opening for some sort of acknowledgement of how much you value the relationship, he said. If you feel discomfort, that is something to be aware of and question where it is coming from, Mr. Fager added. And that's all I've been talking about. You got you to start understanding that when people say things, when you when you listen to certain videos and people speaking and all that other stuff just because it makes you uncomfortable don't mean that it's a red flag we getting too caught up into all these cliches and these dumbass these little small ass character memes 
of everything being a red flag is if you ain't got no red flags yourself. Everything that makes you uncomfortable isn't a red flag. It may be a red flag on your end, but it may not be a red flag coming from the person that you, you know, uh, getting it from. Back to the article. It says another strategy is to join a structured peer support group or partake in group therapy. Take the risk and say, hey, I have a lot of stuff going on. I don't have anyone to process that with. One benefit of joining a support group is that you are likely to encounter men uh, who are up for the challenge of creating emotional connections with other men. And that's one thing that um, my therapist um, keeps pointing out to me to to venture out and, and, you know, the things that I like to do or things that I'm interested in to, to find groups of other people who are into the same things, you know, so that can be a, another source for me, another outlet and stuff like that for me. And um, going back and thinking about when I was younger, when I was like heavily involved in the church, uh, when I was like a teenager and we had the men's group in the church and stuff like that, I had a great time. Like I, I had I had a foundation with with a lot of the men that I connected with when I was uh a preteen and a teenager and stuff like that that still holds value today and has become a big part of my life um back to the article let me see um it's a lot it says um it says um it talks about this guy, this, this man's name is Connor Benson. He's 39, founded Man Talks after he realized how learning to be vulnerable had transformed his own friendships. The company helps men connect with each other through in-person workshops and online courses. He said several years ago, as he struggled with substance abuse, Mr. Benson opened up to a friend he'd known for years, a man he'd lived with and traveled with extensively. The friend surprised him by in turn sharing that he had recently grappled with suicidal ideation. Quote, it really hit me at that moment that I simultaneously knew everything about this man right down to what kind of scotch he liked to drink, and I had no idea he was struggling so intensely, end quote. And that's something that goes on a lot that I've seen with black men and their friendships. We be going through all types of crap, but we won't reach out. You know what I'm saying? When we going through it because we don't want to seem like we're a burden. We don't want to seem weak. We want make we want to seem like we got it all together. You know what I'm saying? We don't we don't, we don't want you know what I'm saying? We don't want to be a part of that soft ish and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And that's another reason. Even when you know we not going through stuff. You know what I'm saying? We don't just reach out and see how um, our boys doing or whatever. We wait weeks or months to go by until we finally get together and then when we finally get together it it ain't no talk of of no no emotional stuff or no mental stuff or what's going on in our life it's just surface you know what i'm saying we just we just so happy to be together that we don't want to ruin the moment you know that's how it is we don't want to ruin the moment we just want to watch the game hang out have a drink, whatever, you know what I'm saying, eat some food, play ball or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And that's another thing that I've noticed. The older that 
we get as as black men or whatever, we stop doing the activities that we was doing back in the day. Like I I remember in the twenties, me and the fellas, we used to always play ball. We don't even play ball no more. I can't even get nobody to come to the gym with me. <laughs> but yeah, that's the stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Happen. We get so caught up into quote unquote life and trying to pro- provide and make money and hustle and all that other stuff that we not really taking care of ourselves that's the true self-care we not getting together um finding other sources of outlets and stuff things to do we just you know we just existing we on autopilot something i talk about with my therapist all the time how i've been on autopilot for for some years but back to the article um let me see it said the next um the next uh, let me see the next strategy is four strategies that was the first one the next one the second one says don't assume friendship happens organically um let me see since relocating to Phoenix Arizona in 2015 Quincy Winston, 37, has yearned for more friends. So last March, at the urging of his girlfriend, he surprised himself by starting a group of local professional black men using Meetup, the social media platform. Mr. Winston would have been happy to make three or four new friends, he said. Instead, his group now has 80 members. They gather about once a month to attend events, perform community service, and simply talk. Quote, I just wanted to get people in the same room to shed a light on the importance of being friends and having a community and cultivating a group, a brotherhood of men, end quote, Mr. Winston said. Putting yourself out there and making it clear that you are looking for friends sounds fairly obvious. But Dr. Franco said she had been continually surprised by how many believe that adult friendships tend to form organically as they do in childhood. Quote, making friends as an adult requires initiative, end quote, she said. Dr. Franco advises people to put themselves in recurring social situations by, for example, joining a club or a class so that there is opportunity for getting to know new friends over time. And she did. And that's what I was just talking about. How My therapist keep trying to say, you know, what I'm saying join some groups or get in the groups with things with other people that you have these same interests in and all that other stuff. And that really is the case, like, making friends, making new friends as an adult is not as easy as it is when you're a kid. When you're a kid, shoot, we were just talking about kids and how free they are and stuff. You just go up to a kid and just start playing with a toy and all that other stuff. These days, you, you're you an adult. You got all these reservations. You've gone through stuff with other people. You hesitant. You on guard. You defensive and stuff like that. So you're looking at it like, man, I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time to be dealing with no new people. And we get caught up in pop culture, pop culture. You got Drake out here talking about some no new friends and all this other stuff. But then that's that's another way of not being able to evolve and grow as a person, that you always stuck with the same people or even if you with the same people. And that's fine if you got the same group of friends, but y'all not doing nothing different. Y'all not exploring nothing different together. So y'all not expanding or evolving the friendship in any way. All right, third strategy. Use activities to your advantage. Quote, boys and men tend to be socialized to do group activities kind of side by side, Dr. Rabinowitz said. Those looking to expand their social circle 
or turn an acquaintance into a closer friend can lean into that propensity. Quote, saying let's go to the game together or let's play poker that can allow them to have contact with other guys and play with them, which can make it easier to talk, end quote, he said. And I agree with that. Um, it says, Dr. Frank Earl recommends finding ways to turn daily activities into the opportunities for connection, too. If you are a runner, invite a friend to go for a run with you. If you work from home, she said, ask a colleague to come over and quote unquote co-work. Just be mindful that activities can limit intimacy. Consider switching things up every once in a while. If you just go out to lunch together, Dr. Franco said, you are for forced to actually talk. And that's me talking about how, you know what I'm saying, you have the same group of friends and y'all go weeks and months to hang out or whatever. And then when y'all get together, y'all doing the same thing y'all always do. It's, it's not going to be no opportunities to have these moments of being vulnerable or to expand the conversation or to evolve the friendship. You know what I'm saying? Because y'all always doing the same things over and over again. Last strategy. Harness the power of casual check-ins. And I already talked about this. I ain't even going to read what it says on it because that's what I talked about. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to read it. It says, according to a study published in July 2022, casually reaching out to friends and acquaintances through, say, a quick text or email means more to those people than we tend to realize. And it's particularly powerful when the contact is unex unexpected. Quote, People tend to think, oh, he's too busy or he's moved on with his life. He doesn't quit, care, end quote. Dr. Franco said, quote, I think hearing about studies like that can remind men that some of those barriers they have in their heads are not necessarily how things will turn out. Send the text, check in, end quote. I mean, there could be nothing more clear than that. Um. I try, you know what I'm saying, I try my best to do check-ins with people. Um, it got to the point where I stopped doing it because I felt like nobody was checking in on me. And when it comes down to it, yeah, it's it's, it's cool to do the check-ins, but also, man, like, you got to you gotta be mindful of people being reciprocal with the same energy, you know, um, I know they always be talking about match energy, match energy. Yeah. Um, but I also had to learn that just be yourself. You know what I'm saying? And I, like I said, I got a big heart. So at this point, I look at it like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to check on people. I'm not even concerned about if, you know, it's reciprocal as long as it's not abusive. You know what I'm saying? As long as nobody ain't being abusive or disrespecting me. I'm going to continue to check on people, you know what I'm saying? It's not going to – I just got to be me, you know what I'm saying? I just got to be me. So, you know, sometimes being a leader is leading by example. And one of the things that I've been learning more and more about being a leader is that most of most of the good things about leading is leading by example, you know, um, because you can't make nobody do nothing. So just be yourself. Just just do you. So, yeah. I don't need. And when it comes down to it, I check in on myself. And then and I just I just focus on being grateful and thankful for the people who do check on me and not worrying about who's not checking on me. So check in, check in with people, point blank and period. 
All right. So I'm going to continue this conversation about the friendship stuff. Um, I got a couple of clips and then we'll move on to the end of the podcast. Um, uh, it's, it's this, this is cliche crap that you see a thousand people saying all the time. Um, if the people in your circle don't inspire you, they're not your circle and all that other bull crap or whatever. And man, I used to be so focused on, you know what I'm saying? Um, growth and evolving as a person and stuff like that, which is a good thing. But I used to also, um, I wouldn't say look down on, on people, but I would have a frustration if the people that I knew or was in my circle didn't have the same views on certain things that I had and stuff like that. And that's wrong. And that's something that I had to learn um, that that's wrong because everybody is their own unique person and you just got to do you. And you know what I'm saying? If somebody is going to, is going to come along with you, they'll come along. If somebody's going to catch up, they'll catch up. But that doesn't take away from that person. That doesn't take away from your friendship or whatever. You just make adjustments in life just like you do with anything. So I got a clip. I'm going to play this clip and we'll discuss it. Instead of me trying to force certain friends into certain like roles or labels, mm -hmm. I had to let them be them and then understand what I can and can't do with those friends. I've had friends where it's like, I want to plan stuff, I want to do business stuff with them, but I realized like, yo, they're not on that frequency. They're not on that mm -hmm. wave. It is not helpful for me to try and force them into a certain area that they don't really see for themselves or that they don't want to go oh, into. So I had to find friends and I had to find people that mm -hmm. I could have those conversations with rather than trying to force the people that I've known for a long time to join me in certain things, bro. So I And that's what I was just talking about. And that's something I fell into a lot and just getting and sometimes, you know, just getting caught up into seeing stuff on social media like as 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 woke as I as I try to be and as much as I try to learn and and you know what I'm saying be unique be a different person or you know what I'm saying focus on being myself I'll be lying if I said I didn't fall into traps that are out there you know what I'm saying or or thoughts and values and ideologies that's out there I fall into the trap of that at times as well and I wish that I didn't do that, but at the same time, it already happened. And right now, what I try my best to focus on is just, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, the value of the friendships that I have, where I'm at, where people are, and just, you know what I'm saying? Enjoy whatever moments that I have with these people and just continue doing what I need to do for myself. And if I can bring somebody along with me, then I will. If somebody wants to join in and help me, then I welcome that, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, I stop asking people to go into the to go to the gym with me. You know what I'm saying? I you know, I I thoroughly love going to the gym by myself, you know what I'm saying? Because I be locked in. But um, you know what I'm saying? 
I'd be lying if I didn't say I would enjoy, you know what I'm saying, somebody else coming to the gym with me or working out with somebody who is just as as experienced as me or somebody who isn't as experienced and I can, you know, help them along their way in their journey, whatever journey that is. But, you know what I'm saying, you just got to keep doing what you're doing. And if those opportunities present themselves, then you move forward from there. All right, I'm going to play this last clip. Let me see. And I'm playing this clip because it goes back to, you know, us as as black men and how we interact with each other and how we are always so competitive against each other, even when we claim we not. Because I don't... (laughs) I've come across too many people who have who've been silently secretly competing against me and I didn't even know and you know what I'm saying just silly stuff but that's neither here or there but yeah black men we got to start being more vulnerable with each other we got to start empowering each other we got to start bigging up each other you know what I'm saying because Giving somebody their props doesn't take away from what we got going on or what we will have going on. You know, it we should all we should all want to see each other win in certain in certain ways, particularly when it is growing the person or when it's, you know, what I'm saying evolving the person or when the person is 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 in a space where they can help other individuals like I love seeing all these these uh black male therapists that I follow and how, you know what I'm saying, they started around the same time as me on the social media or whatever and how the things that they doing, man, I love it because, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's, it's opening up more doors for black men to be more uh open to therapy and to focus on their mental and emotional health or whatever. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that I didn't have frustrations early on when, you know what I'm saying, I was in that mode of comparing myself when in those times when I had, when I was still just starting out with growing and starting therapy and my self-esteem and my self-worth and stuff was still low. But now, man, I love it. You know what I'm saying? I, I have a lot of conversations with these dudes and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just beautiful to see the how you know what I'm saying, black men are growing and we're finally getting to this place where we're being more open and it is beneficial not only to black men but to black women and to the young black boys and the young black girls and just the the whole um, quote-unquote black community, period. But everybody has to be open to it, you know what I'm saying? You can't, well, I already talked about it with, you know, the uh, certain women out here saying that they want men to be uh open and more emotional and vulnerable and stuff like that but then it's not lining up with their actions and their habits and stuff like that but you know what i'm saying but i'm gonna play this clip i'm a hero but first of all you are a hero no 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 you can say i am i get listen 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 that right there is a direct result of us not loving ourselves it's so hard for us to receive affirmation did you see what just happened there? Yeah. You wanted to reflect that back to me. Like what you do isn't heroic. It's very heroic, brother. You're risking your career 
for some of the stuff you cover. So receive it. You are a hero. You are a soldier. And I salute you. Mm. That's the beginning of healing. Accept who you are. Mm. And that's why I keep telling you we're hurting and we got to heal, man. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure, brother. Thank you much so love. much, yeah. Man. Yeah. And I'm... I'm a classic example that is difficult for me to receive compliments because for a long time, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe like the things that people see in me. I'd be like, damn, I don't even see that in my, you know what I'm saying? I didn't even see that in myself. I'm starting to, 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 to see it. I'm starting to see it, believe it and know it because there's a difference between believing it and knowing it believing it means that you think it's going to happen knowing it means that you know it's real i know it's real some of the things that you know people seeing me and have seen in me over the years i just gotta know it and do it you know but i have a very difficult time receiving compliments and stuff like that but it's funny because some people know it and they will say, yeah, I know you don't like compliments, but, yeah, you did a good job on this and whatever. But I tell them, I'll be like, still still give the compliments to me. As uncomfortable as it makes me, give them to me because I need this. I need the practice. I need this. You know what I'm saying? Because I affirm myself all day, every day. Every morning when I wake up, I do my affirmations and stuff like that. But it could get to a point where it can get routine and you and it's just routine. You know what I'm saying? And you aren't really you aren't really receiving it so it helps at times to hear it from other people and to actually have those those uh opportunities to actually receive it from somebody else because um yeah (laughs) i i i didn't get that type of stuff when i was coming up or anything like that you know um from my household and stuff like that so it it was real it's real difficult for me to receive compliments it's real difficult for me to receive positive criticism and stuff like that but yeah um do i want to end it now because i wanted to talk about the best man the best man show i wanted to end it off i didn't want to have a too long episode um let me let me uh damn it's about to be 2 hours let me see Damn, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a save, I'm a save the, uh, I had a, I had a review for the, uh, black, I'm not saying the black, the best man, the best man, uh, series on Peacock, but I'm a save, I'm a save it for next episode, I'm gonna make sure I make time out for it, um, I didn't expect this episode to go so long because the, the outline was only like four or five lines, but, you know, I got to talk and I was so excited to be back um behind the mic and stuff like that but i appreciate everybody you know what i'm saying sticking with me supporting the show and stuff like that um taste to consider podcast um spotify apple Podcasts, google play stitcher amazon um i'm a put this uh video up on youtube um greatestiamblog.com i'm gonna have a new blog coming soon i got some new stuff coming soon to the youtube page as well um yeah i'm excited i'm feeling good um if you watching this on youtube right now i got a smile on my face i'm trying to hold the smile i just i feel real good right now um yeah i'm excited 
yeah, Taste to Consider Podcast, the Taste to Consider Network on Instagram. Um, my main page got underscores and dots and all that other stuff in it, but you can find my main page from my um a taste to consider network page because you know what I'm saying you know how you can tie your your pages together so I do that with most of the posts so yeah follow me like share support me with however way you want to um I accept all feedback constructive criticism positive criticism whatever you know what I'm saying I don't debate I have conversations so you know what I'm saying hit me up um yeah i feel good i want to keep talking shoot i can go i can go probably a three hour episode when i'm gonna end it here um i'm gonna end it off with a song it's been a while since i end the podcast off with a song but i'm gonna end it off with a song yeah um let me see uh here we go so take sticking to the podcast yes I'm your host, Derek Silver. Let's go.
say stick and sit a podcast. Let's go. Say sick and sit a podcast. So watch where you're taking your time. Watch how you spending your time. Show how you spending your love. I'ma show how I'm spending mine. Say stick and sit a podcast.